Well, we're so grateful to have Larry and Kay Mills. So Larry, you come and you share what's on your heart. It's a blessing to be able to be here again. It seems like I was here just a week ago or so, you know. But um, I really thank uh, Pastor Sidney Ropp and Jen for allowing me to come here again so soon after that and be able to share with you the Word of God again t- tonight. And I'm praying that the Word that I share will be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. And uh, you're such a blessing to us. I, I, I can't even say enough, really. It's true. I, I, I don't, there's not enough words to be able to say how much you've been a blessing to us uh, over the last few years, even currently. Uh, the times that you've prayed for us, lifted us up, and uh, many in this church, families in this church have supported us on a monthly, regular basis. This church has supported us financially on a monthly basis. And we are so, so grateful for that. There is tr- a true partnership in the labor that we're doing. Hallelujah. And uh, we believe greater things are still ahead. Amen? We believe that the best is still in front of us. We can believe that because of the God that we serve. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. We have the right to believe that. Amen? Because of Him. Because of Him. Amen? Um, you, some, I think most of you are familiar with our ministry where I'm pastoring an international church from Acts 11, Acts 13, and um, <clears throat> we're believing we're rebuilding the church again. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, I believe we're going to be ascending church, just like the old original church. But uh, we're calling those dry bones to live again. Hallelujah. Amen. Those, that dead stump in the ground, that the scent of water... Job 14, 7 through 9 talks about. Amen? We're bringing that scent of water, the Holy Ghost, and the, and the Word of God. Amen? And at the scent of water, that stump bears and brings forth buds once again. Amen? And I believe that's what we're doing. And uh, it comes because of the Word of God and prayer. Amen? Those are the two keys. Those are the two vehicles that God is able to, by the Holy Spirit, do things in the lives of people. Amen? So our focus is on those two vehicles, the Word of God and prayer. That's why Paul said, pray for me that there be an open door for the Word of God. Amen? So uh, we believe in the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, and and especially a a word that is real faith-building. And in the last couple years, God has really had us focus on getting good faith-building books translated Amen? And, and, and I've said this before, th- those books will go places I cannot go. I will not go. These books will be there long after I'm gone. Amen? And they'll continue teaching and preaching the Word of God. Hallelujah. So they're very, very important. These, uh, some of the books that we've done, let me just mention them again. Some of you know about it, but uh, let me just mention it. Triumphant Church by Kenneth Hagin. Hallelujah. Uh, How to Be Led by the Spirit of God. Very powerful book. Amen? A book right along line with that would be The Guide Inside, Each Cell Rehbesh, by Mark Brzee. A very good book, very practical book about being led by the Holy Spirit as well. A very important subject for believers today especially. If we don't learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit in these days, we're in trouble. And uh, another book that was done recently was uh, God gave gifts unto men. He gave gifts unto men. And it's a teaching on the apostle, prophet, and pastor. There's so much 
craziness and teaching about wrong teaching about this subject today that this is such a good book to really help set in order uh, what the Bible says about these three ministry gifts and uh, very very important for the body of Christ recently um, we did this book this came off the press about a month ago or six weeks ago it's called the art of prayer the it used to be called the art of intercession small book but powerful uh, lays foundation in the area of prayer and eventually gets into, in the later chapters, areas of prayer that many of us have never even entered into yet. But we're getting there. Areas of intercession. Moving with the Holy Spirit in, in, in prayer and areas of intercession and places where God wants to take us. And uh, so this is very, very powerful. We've had some really great feedback on this book. And this book... I won't say who, but it was underwritten, the whole cost of translation and printing everything by a family in this church. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? Praise God. And we just finished a book, a translation of a book that we're believing it's going to be ready to distribute at our Holy Spirit conference in just a couple of weeks. It's called The Spirit of Faith by Mark Hankins. Man, what a powerful book. Uh, It's over 300 pages. He says things in there like this. The spirit of faith will make you want to grab a corn shock, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. (laughs) Hallelujah. Spirit of faith will make a tadpole want to slap a whale. (laughs) Glory to God. A spirit of faith will make a 17-year-old boy run at a giant and tell him what he's going to do when he gets him. I'll have your head hanging in my tent tonight. Hallelujah. And he says this, never run at your giant with your mouth shut. Talk to it while you're running at it. Amen? Glory to God. He said the Lord told him one time, He said the Spirit of God was dealing with him, and He said, if you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you'd move it. Well, I believe that. Amen. If you knew what was on the other side of your mountain, you would move it. Hallelujah. And I'm so excited about that book coming out. Very provoking in faith. Amen? And we need that. We need to be stirred up in our faith in these days. Hallelujah. Uh, we've got other, another book that's been done. It needs to be proofed yet. The Woman Question. I'd say probably 80% of the church and do not believe that women can teach or preach in the church. But this book really deals with that well and settles the issue. So when it comes out and we distribute it, it's going to be like a tsunami going across the body of Christ. So you believe God with us. Amen. Also on the docket is 10 Hours to Live by Brian Wills. Hallelujah. Is he here? Where is he? There he is. Glory to God. We're going to get your book into it, brother. Hallelujah. Um. Brian came, um, I think it was a couple years ago, to, to visit us and minister in our church. We went to visit this woman who was on a deathbed with cancer. She had three kinds of cancer going on at the same time, and they gave up on her. And I remember I, I walked in there with Brian, and I was more like, you know, God bless you, you know. And, and Brian just walked up to her, and he said, can you say this after me? Jesus is my healer. And she could barely eke it out. He said, that's good, that's good. Can you say it again? She said it again. And then she said it again. Hallelujah. And within a week, she was out of that hospital. She was healed of of all those cancers. 
and, and listen, this, the story isn't over. About six weeks ago, she got diagnosed with brain cancer. That, that foul devil tried to come back on her again. So we got together with her. We laid hands on her and prayed for her in the name of Jesus. And she went after that and got another MRI done. And then a few days later, she's at our prayer meeting at the church. And while we're having this prayer meeting, she gets a text on her phone about her MRI results. And there's no cancer. She just starts shouting in the middle of the prayer meeting and dancing. And I'm like, what's happening? She says, I'm healed, I'm healed. And then she'd calm down and then she'd start again. She'd start dancing and shouting. And we just finally just joined her. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If you had brain cancer and got healed, you'd dance too. Hallelujah. So, hallelujah. We, that's our God. Amen? So, uh, I understand this church is going to help underwrite the translation and printing of the book, 10 Hours to Live. Hallelujah. And I believe we're going to get it done this year in Jesus' name. And it's going to be a blessing to the church and to the, the, the world. Hallelujah. Amen? Um, we uh, also have Holy Spirit conferences every year. This is our 18th year. Only last year, because of this pandemic garbage, we had to cancel it because they wouldn't even let, let us have a hotel or anything. But this year, we're having it September 1st through 4th. Um, Pastor um, Rusty Martin from Galveston, Texas is coming. He has a very strong prophetic gift in his life. And I believe he's going to bring a word to the body of Christ, fresh from heaven. And he's going to bring a word for the nation, I believe. And we're going to have this conference right in the middle of... It's in the Bible. And um, <clears throat> this, we've, we're getting more response for this conference than we've ever had in the 18 years that we've been doing it. Hallelujah. We're meeting new leaders, new pastors, and it's been going very well. I believe God's building something here because one of the other things that we do is we, we seek to hold a seminar in a different city every month. Uh, it's one way to help lay foundation because nobody else is preaching this message that we're preaching about faith and who we are in Christ and spirit, soul, and body and, and these kind of things. And so <clears throat> we're, we're getting these great relationships established where they're hungry for the Word of God, the things of God. Hallelujah. And it's opening doors for us. And if you don't realize, I mean, 88 million people, more than 88 million people, maybe between 4,000 and 8,000 believers out of 88 million you do the math it's not many but we're there to change the statistics amen and by the name of jesus and the help of the holy ghost we're going to do it amen hallelujah there is a harvest coming in that nation hallelujah there's a harvest coming for you amen you know the patience i see in some of you waiting for your harvest Waiting for your healing. Hallelujah. Not giving up. That's the one good thing I really, really liked about Brian Will's book is the, you know, it wasn't an instant healing. It was a fight. Hallelujah. A fight that he refused to throw in the towel. And I'm so inspired by that. Hallelujah. I want people to know that just because you didn't get it instantly, it doesn't mean you're not going to get it. You got to stand and you got to fight and you got to believe and you got to trust. Amen. Until you get it however long that takes, because the Word of God is true, and the provision is ours. Amen? Hallelujah. Um, we've got these prayer cards. I want to make sure that you get one before you leave. They're on the back, and my wife has prayer cards too. 
They're for your refrigerator so that when you walk by your fridge, everybody walks by their fridge because everybody likes food. And you see our picture and our name, you see it and you just point to it and you speak over us. Amen? You just declare things in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's uh, five prayer requests on here. And if you would ask me, what are the five most important things that we could pray for you about? We put them right here. And they're pertinent. They're relative right now. And then at the bottom, there's a little QR code. You put your camera picture up to it. A web link pops up. You, you touch it and you can donate one time, regularly, however you want. And you can even designate it. But please get a card and pray for us. Amen? At least do that. Pray for us. We need your prayers. Amen? God is going to open doors that we've never seen open before. And I want to be a part of it. I am a part of it. And you want to be a part of it. Amen? <clears throat> so believe with us. Um, this, um, I want to give you, I want to trade you. Is that all right? This is my wife helping me out here. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm excited that Pastor Rob, Sidney Rop is in my church tomorrow morning, and I'm here. Hallelujah. We did this exchange, and uh, I talked to him today, and he's excited about tomorrow. You know, their hearts are being opened like I've never seen before. In about, I'd say about two, or two and a half weeks ago, in a prayer meeting, we had five Muslim young people wander into our church. They'd never been in a church before in the, their lives. And we opened up with a couple worship songs, which is, you know, worship. Yeah, hallelujah. They had never experienced anything like that before. And you could see it on their faces. The moment the, the presence of God came into that place, and they're like, what is that? And they knew it was good. And <clears throat> so as we, uh, you know, you sort of rearrange what you're going to say or what you had planned on saying. And the Spirit of God came into that place. And we ended up leading all five of them in prayer to receive Christ. Hallelujah. And <clears throat> I'm believing we're going to see more and more and more of that. Amen. And something that I just read out of that book on prayer, Brother Hagen brought up again. He said, you know, it's not, it's not just converts that we're interested in. It's births. And births come when we travail in the Spirit. Amen? And there needs to be more travailing in the Spirit to see more births, especially in the Muslim world. And I'm telling you that because we're not saying what we're doing is easy. You know, the power is available. The, the authority has been given to us. But, but we're called to war. We're called to fight. Amen? And we're not telling anyone it's easy. That would be a lie. And so, <clears throat> join us in the fight. But pray, intercede, travail in the Spirit so that we see real births into the kingdom of God. Not just converts. You understand what I'm talking about? Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Amen. A couple, I'd say three weeks ago, we were praying. Kay and I, my wife and I pray. Um, by the way, since I was here the last time my youngest daughter was married, um, Christina, yeah, she um, married the state senator from the state of Oklahoma, who is a, a real strong conservative guy, wonderful. They met in their church. They go to the same church. Spirit-filled, tongue-talking senator. Hallelujah. It's the only kind. Amen. Amen. I heard him do an hour interview with Andrew Walmack about a week ago, and Andrew Walmack was blown away. 
and just the way he talked and how he had a handle on all the subjects, you know. So I'm proud of my son-in-law. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's given me three wonderful son-in-laws. Amen. And I believe he's going to give me a fourth one too. Hallelujah. You can believe with me. Laura, she's still single. She's the one who's working with us and uh, doing an awesome job. She's maintaining our ship while we're here. Hallelujah. So anyway, three weeks ago, we were praying, Kay and I, one morning. And as I was praying, I kept hearing this word, distractions, distractions. And the Lord began to speak to me. And I believe He began to show me that in the, in the body of Christ, there's been a, a huge increase in this area of distractions taking our attention away from what it needs to be upon. Amen? He even began to show me in my own life, my personal life, where I've allowed myself to become distracted from where my focus should be. You know... <clears throat> We've gotten distracted by not only the pleasures and treasures of this life, but also by all the junk that's been coming down the pike, uh, coming into this world against us, and this nation especially. Not only the COVID-19 thing, but also the liberal politics and stuff that we see trying to destroy our nation. And um, even we see human sympathizers trying to take control of the public dialogue in the public place, trying to supplant the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've told pastors this, the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the answer to every problem humanity faces. And it has not changed. Amen? The gospel is the same, and it is still the answer. Amen? <clears throat> and so the Lord really began to deal with me about this. And, and really, what I want to share with you tonight it is birthed out of that, that moment with God that I had. And, it has to, and I, I titled it this, Keeping the Main Thing, the Main Thing. Keeping the Main Thing, the Main Thing. You know, it's, what is the main thing? It's what He's doing. It's what He's saying. How many know Jesus was the greatest example for us? And Jesus said a couple times, He said, I, the things I hear my father say, I say. The, sa the things I see my father do, I do. It's that simple, yet it's that complex at the same time. Our job is to find out what he's saying, find out what he's doing, and do the same, and say the same. Amen? It's that simple. You want to do the works of Jesus? Then find out what the father's saying and doing, and do the same, and say the same. Amen? That's the main thing. But I want to get even a little more focused you know, we carry this book we call the Bible, the Word of God. It's divided into two parts, Old Covenant, New Covenant, okay? And <clears throat> there's things that we can learn by, you know, the, these, both these sides, both these covenants, books, or sections are recordings written down of God's dealings with man, God's dealings uh, in how man responds and how man sometimes uh, fails in 1 Corinthians 10, you read the first verses there, and he talks about when his people would disobey him and the trouble that they got themselves into because of their disobedience. And, and later on in verse 11, 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That word admonition 
They were written for our admonition. The biggest meaning of that word is warning. They were written for our warning, to warn us, to, to teach us, so we don't repeat and make the same mistakes. Amen? And so tonight, I, I just for a moment, I want us to look at some, some things that happened in the Old Covenant that parallel what's happening right now in the New Covenant that we're in right now. Amen? And that is the rebuilding of the temple that Haggai talked about, others had talked about, the rebuilding of the temple and how that parallels with the building of the church, the, the body of Christ or the temple of God today. We are the temple of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. You get it? You go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, it says this, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Amen? We are the temple of God. We are God's temple corporately as the body of Christ. But each of us are the temple of God individually. Amen? You are the temple of God. I think back to Moses in building the tabernacle. God instructed him to build this tabernacle. This tabernacle, he made it clear that you're to build this tabernacle according to the details and the instructions that were given to you by God. Why? Why is that so important? Because the very structure of that tabernacle, even the details of its furnishings inside, would reveal the plans of God for the future and what He wanted to do. And it's so important that we, we get some of this because it's going to tell us some things about who we are today. That tabernacle was a forerunner of the temple that Solomon would build. The tabernacle was something that was transportable. It was movable. And, and uh, every time they would go to another location, they, would, they had a system of packing that thing up and then reestablishing it again. And it was right in the heart, right in the middle. Why? Because it had to be center in their lives as a people for, for everything that they did. The worship, the temple was about worship. The temple was about their relationship with God. And it needed to be at the center of everything they were and everything they did. And it's no different today. Amen? Our worship together, our coming together like this and meeting together with God has to be center. We, we can't treat it lightly. We have to understand how important this is to God. That's why Hebrews 10, 24, 25 and Hebrews 3, 13 talks about how we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. How we need to admonish each other, one another daily. <clears throat> Amen? Why? Because it's central, it's core to who we are as a people. Amen? And there's things that God imparts and He, he, he gives to us as we follow this and we understand it. Amen? I'm not here just because it's Saturday night. And that's what we're supposed to do. Hello? 
We're here because God has a plan. God has a word. God has something to impart to you and me. Amen? And it was a forerunner of the temple that Solomon would build. The temple was stable. It was, it was immovable. It was built, and there it was. <clears throat> it was glorious. And there's many similarities between the two. And most important in the similarities was the structure itself, the three-part structure. The outer courts, that was the biggest part, where all the people could go. Then there was the holy place, only the priest could enter the holy place. And then there was the holy, most holy place, or holy of holies, where God dwelt. And so, when we study the parallel here between the Old Testament tabernacle and temple with the New Testament church, the body of Christ, there are amazing truths that we can learn and it can open our understanding as to who we are. For example, the, the parallel of the three-part structure of the tabernacle and the temple with you, the temple of God today, you're also a three-part structure. You're spirit, soul, and body. Your body is like the outer courts. Your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotion, the holy place, at least it's supposed to be. Hello? And then there's your spirit, the most, the most holy place, or the holy of holies where God dwells. Your newly created spirit. You follow me? Same picture, same structure. But go, you go back to um, Solomon's temple and you, you study it and you realize that in its heyday, it was magnificent. Everything, almost everything inside of it was covered, overlaid with pure gold. The gold was representative of the glory of God. And you need to understand tonight here as we talk about this, how important the glory of God was to the temple. And, and inside that temple, it was covered with His glory. But what happened over time was as men drew back and fell away from God, they began to, the enemy would come in and strip the gold away and they would come in and put brass because brass looks like gold from the outside, but it in no way equals it in significance or value. And, and it's the same, I heard a great message about this, about how it's the same in the church today. We try to imitate the glory, but it's not the same. It's, it doesn't carry the equal significance and value because it's not the real deal. We can't just imitate. We're not giving God brass. Amen? And so, after this temple, over time, loses its significance, you hear men of God or prophets come after that, and they say things like this. The, the temple of God would be rebuilt in the latter days. The temple of God would be rebuilt in the latter days. And they would say the glory of this latter temple that's yet to come would be far greater than what Solomon's was. Really? And if you were a Jew living in that time hearing those words, it would be so hard for you to imagine. How could anything be greater in glory than Solomon's temple? Look, let me read you some of the words of, of the prophet Haggai in chapter 2, verses 7 and 9, 7 through 9. Haggai, chapter 2, verses 7 through 9. I know they want to get that up there. <clears throat> Listen to what he says. God says to the prophet, And I will shake all nations, 
And they shall come to the desire of all nations. Who's the desire of all nations? Jesus. Amen? Because if they, if they could see Him, if they knew Him, they would want Him. All nations. If they could see Him, they would want Him. He's the desire of some nations, of all nations. So our responsibility is to help them see Him. Amen? And present Jesus for who He really is. Amen? Then they'll want Him. Hallelujah. And He says, I will fill this temple with what? Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. Says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Wow. We know by history, there was never another physical temple rebuilt, not like Haggai talked about here. I believe those prophets were referring to the body of Christ whose temple we are today. I believe when Haggai said, God said through Haggai, that the glory of this latter temple would be greater than the temple of Solomon. He's talking about us. He's talking about the glory that God would uh, put upon us. Hallelujah. Amen? So when God's people in that day began returning from exile, they were in exile. And as they began returning to their homeland again, the first thing they thought about doing was rebuilding the temple. And as soon as they came back to their homeland, they started to rebuild the temple again. Why? Because it was core. It was center. They knew it to their lives. Amen? There's so many parallels here. And I want you to see this. Something happened in the middle of the rebuilding of the temple. And we can learn from it. And that's why I read 1 Corinthians 10.11 in the beginning that said these things were written for our admonition so that we could be warned not to do the same things. Amen? Haggai chapter 1. What happened? These people, in the middle of rebuilding, became, they allowed themselves to become apathetic or indifferent. And this happened because they allowed themselves to be distracted from the main thing. And Haggai comes to warn them. In chapter 1, beginning at verse 9, or 2, I'm sorry, we're going to read through verse 9. Starting at verse 2, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Hmm. Let me read that again. Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? He's contrasting their houses with his house. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. 
You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. That's the folks that are living paycheck to paycheck, barely making it and sometimes not making it. That's the bag with holes. I've been there. I've lived that life. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains. I love this, man. The image here. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord of hosts. What's going to give the Lord pleasure? Building the temple. Amen? You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? Says the Lord of hosts. Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. I I have to say, I think the house of the Lord today in many ways, lies in ruins. You know, maybe you've never heard this before, but they say, of all the finances that pass through the churches in America, less than 6% make it out of the United States to spread the gospel around the world. Less than 6%. That's not the story of this church. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Never let it be. Amen. But really, our house is in trouble. And God's calling us back to the rebuilding of the house of the Lord. Amen. He says in verse 2, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. You know, Scriptures say that in the last days, even those in the church, they would say things like this, the Lord is delaying His coming. Oh, they're always saying Jesus is coming soon, Jesus is coming soon, but He's not coming. Remember, rebuilding the temple in Haggai's time is equivalent to building God's church today. Bringing the lost to Jesus, evangelism, harvest, all that is about building the house of the Lord, building the temple of God today. Amen? The Great Commission has to become so important to every one of us. It has to be interwoven into everything that we do, no matter your call, no matter your gift, everything we do, that Great Commission has to be interwoven. Amen? in our prayers, in our giving, in our going, in, in every area. Amen? And it doesn't mean you have to go to another country. How about to your neighbor? Hello? Hmm. Haggai basically tells God's people that they've allowed the things of this life to distract them. And now their greater focus their time, their treasure, their houses. It's all mostly given towards themselves now. And He's calling on them. He's saying to them, turn back to the main thing. All these distractions that have been coming over the last couple years, we've got to be able to put it aside, get refocused again on what is the answer. What is the main thing? 
What is it that God is calling us to? What's His, what's his mandate for us? What is his, his, his heart? That should be our heart. Amen? Ours are to beat with His. Amen? God's preparing a people, I believe, in these last days, upon whom His glory will be able to rise upon in greater and greater measure. The beautiful picture we get in Isaiah 60 is so powerful. Isaiah 60, most of you know these verses, verses 1-3. through Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory, there it is again, the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. And His glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles, the non-believers, the non-Christians, shall see, they shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Wow. That's powerful. Amen? You go to Ezekiel, and he has a vision of the temple. It's not a temple that was ever physically built. But I believe it's a temple that has a lot to say about this temple right here. And it's a long vision. It starts in chapter 40 and goes nine chapters, the rest of the book of Ezekiel, to Ezekiel 48. We don't have time to read it all today, but it's rich. It's really rich. But I want to just highlight a couple things for you that we've been talking about here tonight. Ezekiel 43, verses 4 and 5. And the glory of the Lord came into the temple. The glory of the Lord came into this temple. Hallelujah. Can you say that? The glory of the Lord came into this temple. Hallelujah. By way of the gate which faces toward the east, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. God's glory fills His temple. And we see the fulfillment of what Haggai talked about and what Ezekiel saw in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today. I believe the glory of this latter temple right here, right now, will have greater glory than anything we've ever seen in the past. Amen? And later, in Ezekiel's vision, that glory becomes a mighty river. And it's flowing from the temple to outside in every direction. You know, we see this pattern all the way back into the Garden of Eden in the beginning. God is showing us all the way from the very beginning, this picture. Look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. It's so powerful. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. It says, now a river. How many rivers? A river. A river. Did you ever see a river that started down low and flowed high? No. Rivers always begin in high places. And they flow down. That's just how it works. Right? You don't have to be a scientist to understand that. So a river, it says, a river went out of Eden to water the garden. The garden, what's the garden? The garden is the place where God met with man and walked and talked and fellowshiped with His man. Hallelujah. There's so much meaning in this. You're going to see it in a few minutes when I get to the punchline. You're going to love the punchline. 
Hallelujah. I'm saving it for last. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It says, I'm going to start again. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there, from where? The garden where God met with man. From there, it parted and became four river heads. The Pishon, the Gion, the Tigris, and the Euphrates. Why four rivers? Because there's four directions. North, south, east, and west. Hallelujah. God's intent from the very beginning was to flow out in every direction. Why? Because God loves all people everywhere. No exceptions. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's continue with Ezekiel's vision. In Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel 47. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple. And there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple. Man, you couldn't keep the glory in the temple. It was eking out under the threshold of the gate of the door of the temple. Hallelujah. That's how it's supposed to be. Glory to God. Amen? This water... I'm sorry. It says, Then He brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east. The water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. Hallelujah. It was coming out from every side, flowing in every direction. That's the point. Amen. That's the vision. That's the point of church. That's why we have church here tonight. Hallelujah. So the glory can come down as we meet with God and as He imparts things to us through His Spirit and by His Word that's taught to us and Revelation knowledge is imparted and we grasp it and that glory is increased in our lives and we flow out from here in every direction. Hallelujah. Because God loves all people everywhere. Amen? Notice the direction that the river flows. It doesn't flow into the temple. It flows out from the temple. So we have to get over this idea that we sit in church and wait for the sinners to come. Hello? I welcome them. But that's not, that's not the picture we get. We're to flow out from here. We're to take Jesus everywhere we go into every area of our lives. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ezekiel 47, down a couple verses. Verses 8 and 9. Then he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Hallelujah. The salt water becomes fresh when the water, the fresh water, touches it. Now that's a miracle because. When you put salt in, in non-salt water, fresh water together, they become salty. I don't care how many experiments you do, it's going to be that way. But here, it's a miracle. Because when the fresh water touches the salty water, the salty water becomes fresh and becomes healed. Hallelujah. Verse 9, And it shall be 
and it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. Wait a minute. I thought it said every living thing. I thought if it says every living thing, why does it say they will live? Huh. Well, must be two different meanings here. You know, every living thing out there is not really living. Not like we know living in life. But that's something that we've been given the honor and privilege of having the first taste and being able to take it to them so that everywhere we go and we take this message, they also can live, really live, like we've understood. Amen? Hallelujah. And I love this this verse where it says, there will be a great multitude of fish. Hallelujah. I'm speaking that over Hallelujah. Why? Why will there be a great multitude, uh, multitude of fish? Because these waters go there. Hallelujah. For they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. Do you believe that? I do. Hallelujah. When I go back August 19th, I land at airport and I get off the plane, I got a picture, man, of the rivers flowing. Hallelujah. I'm saying the rivers have arrived. Glory to God. I know I'm not the only river, but this river is coming. This river is here. Hallelujah. And everywhere that river goes, there's life. Amen? That's the vision I have from my Bible. Hallelujah. And it's a vision we all need to have. Amen? You ready for the punchline? Oh man, fasten your seatbelts. Jesus, in John 7, verse 38, said this, He who believes in me, out of his innermost... How many believe in Jesus? Hallelujah. Whoa. It's going to get real wet in here tonight. Hallelujah. He who believes in me, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers. Hallelujah. Rivers of living water. Glory to God. Out of your spirit, out of the Holy of Holies, where Jesus lives, will flow rivers of living water. Amen? You have to get that picture. That is the call of God upon every child of God. Amen? that rivers of living water would flow out from us and bring healing and life. Amen? There was a a book written uh, called The Patient Ferment, and it was about a guy who, a theologian, who discovered that in the first 200 years of Christianity was the greatest harvest of souls. More people came to Jesus Christ in the first 200 years after Jesus than any other time in history per capita, including today. And he wanted to find out why. So he started researching and he looked and he studied for like 18 months. He, he studied, he looked up everything he could find that was written during that time and, <clears throat> and he studied it and he was trying to figure out what's the secret. Here's what he didn't find. There was no talk of um, you know, four spiritual laws, seminars, and how to reach the lost or go witnessing. There was no uh, big gospel crusades. And I'm not against any of those things. Please don't misunderstand me here tonight. Though all those things are great, okay? But that's not what he found. Here's what he found. That their lives were so changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
that when those who knew them saw them, they would look at them and say, what in the world happened to you? I want what you have. Patient ferment, fermentation of the love of God in our lives that brought forth such a patience that the world could not understand it. Amen? That's our witness. Our witness. Amen? Rivers to flow out from us. Healing brain cancer? Yes. Hallelujah. Helping people on the right path? Yes. Amen. Glory to God. That's our call. And I can't help but singing that song to you. That old Pentecostal song. There's a river of life flowing out from me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out from me. Spring up, oh well, within my soul. Spring up, oh well, and make me whole. Spring up, oh well, and give to me that life abundantly. Join me now. There's a river of life flowing out from me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison door, sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out from me. Spring up, oh well, within my soul. Spring up, oh well, and make me whole. Spring up, oh well. And give to me that life abundantly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So no matter the lie the enemy tries to bring to you to tell you what you're not, you can say what you are. Amen? You can say, I've got rivers. According to what I believe Jesus before I believe anybody else. And he said, if I believe in him, there would be rivers flowing out from me. Amen? That's your vision. That's who you are. That's who you are. Don't let anything in this life or anybody else try to convince you otherwise. Because Jesus said, out of your belly, out of your innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. And the picture that was painted for us through the prophet's words, I tell you, was repeated again and again and again so that we could get it. Amen? The glory, the glory, the glory. The glory of God is upon you. The glory of God, its purpose is to fill you. The glory of God, is, its purpose is to flow out from you in an overflowing fashion. Amen? Let's stand together. Hallelujah. I want you to be challenged tonight by this word to never again think less than what we've shared here tonight. Amen? That these rivers that are inside of you are not put there by you. They weren't created by your own thinking and imaginations, but imparted by the Spirit of the living God. Hallelujah. Amen? You are the temple of God. 
The Bible says you're the temple of the living God. Hallelujah. And the glory of God, hallelujah, is to fill that temple. That's its purpose. That's God's plan for your life. I don't care your age. I don't care your, your position in life. I don't care you're poor, you're rich, you're black, you're white. It doesn't matter. If you know Jesus, if you believe on Him, that rivers, those rivers are yours. Hallelujah. And they're inside of you. And they're meant, they're meant to flow out from you. Not to just for you to sit around and have a self-glorified party. But to flow out from you. To be God's hands. To be His voice. Amen? To give a word in season. Hallelujah. Amen? To love people in deed, in action. Amen? That's, there's an anointing. The glory of God is on that stuff. Hallelujah. When we speak His word. Amen? Hallelujah. When we love people. Not because they love us. Not because, you know, uh, we expect something from them. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just who we are. It's our call. Amen? You are the temple of the living God. God wants to fill His temple tonight with His glory. Amen? Do you want your temple filled with the glory of God tonight? Hallelujah. That's why you're here. You come here to meet with Him so that He can fill your temple. Hallelujah. With His glory, with His presence, with His anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just open our hearts to Him. Let's say, Lord, fill my temple. Fill my temple. Hallelujah. Let your glory fill this temple. In the name of Jesus. Let your glory fill this temple. Every temple here tonight, God, fill with your glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Your Shekinah glory. That glory that so filled the temple, even in Solomon's time, that even the priests could not stand. Hallelujah. They couldn't even enter the door because of your glory that filled that temple. Hallelujah. Lord, we want that glory. You said it would be even greater. We believe it. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for calling us. Thank you for building us. Hallelujah. As your temples. Shakatalalamahanda. Thank you for giving us hands that heal. Hallelujah. Words of wisdom that bring direction and understanding. Hallelujah. Reconciliation, peace in the midst of chaos. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sakatalalamahan. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Never, never again come to this place when, with less than an expectation of meeting with God and receiving of His glory. That's the purpose of our coming together. Amen. We're here to meet up with God. Hallelujah. To be filled so that we can go out from this place and 
share that glory with others. Amen. Hallelujah. Come with expectation. Never give lame excuses. You're too tired. Oh, there's a soccer match. Oh, the blah, 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 blah. Don't do that. Don't miss out on the greatest thing that God wants to do in your life. Hallelujah. That's why he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. That's why he says, encourage one another daily. Hallelujah. As the day approaches. Hallelujah. More glory. More glory. Hallelujah. As that day approaches. More glory on you. That's the promise. Amen. Hallelujah. We declare it over you. We declare it over you in the name of Jesus. Every word, Father, that the prophet spoke, Father, we believe it. We receive it in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There has to come a time. And I have to say this, there has to come a point in every one of our lives where a shift, there has to be a shift that takes place where you stop living for yourself and you start living for the one who called you and sent you and you start living for others. There's a family from our church staying in my home in Oklahoma right now. I have a home in Oklahoma. And the woman said to me, if I had a house like this and could make good money, I would never go to I said, well, if I was living for myself, I'd feel the same way. But God showed me a better way a long time ago. I don't want to come to the end of my days, my last day on earth, and say, look at the goods that I have accrued. Look at the wonderful things I have, my bank accounts, my savings, my investments. Look how, how empty, how empty. How much of that are you taking with you? I want to come to the end of my days and I want to say, God, look at the lives that were changed because I obeyed you, I followed you. Hallelujah. Many who have made a decision to follow Jesus, many whose lives were touched and healed and changed, books that were translated, hallelujah, and are still preaching the gospel, hallelujah. Lives still being changed. That's what I want to say. I said to that woman, I said, you're here right now because I obeyed God and I didn't think like you. You're the fruit of the right thinking. So there comes a point in every one of our lives that shift has to take place. And you're not living for yourselves anymore, but you're living for the one who sent you, who called you. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can worship. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. In His presence is fullness of joy. Is there joy in the house tonight? Not just, not just this physical house, but in the house tonight? Amen.
got off. Make it again. Don't let this moment slip. Make the shift. Father, we just present ourselves to you tonight again. Lord, we know that you are good and your ways are good and your plan for us is good and anything that we could come up with on our own could never be as good as your plan for us. So Lord, help us Help us to align ourselves more closely with you. We surrender all. We surrender every dream, every plan, every selfish will and motive. We lay it at the feet of the cross and we give it to you. And Lord, I'm asking you that you fill our hearts, fill the people here with a love for others, a love for you beyond what they've experienced. Fill them with your desires. Give them dreams and visions of your plan for their life. The good plan of God. I loose it on these people. And we thank you for it. Father, I ask you to bless the church and keep bless Kay and Larry for coming and all their efforts and the heart and soul they have poured out into that nation. Father, I pray your blessing and abundance abundant life be theirs in the name of Jesus and we give you all the glory and all the praise and amen well we would like to send Larry and Kay out blessed we want to honor the word of the Lord that he brought through them so we're going to put a basket at the back and you can give your donation to them. 100% of it will go to them. If you're making it out a check, you can make it out to CWI. Just memo it, Larry Mills. All right. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. Amen. Welcome, family of God, here at Church of the Word International in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. 
I'm really getting good at that. <laughs> that word, Lancaster. Love to encourage you in the word of God tonight for our worship time together. And if you've never read Psalms 145, it's a great psalm. And it starts off like this. I will exalt my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works. Men shall speak of the might of your awesome acts, and I will declare your greatness. They shall utter the memory of your great goodness and shall sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and full of mercy and compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord. And your saints, are you a saint? Shall bless you. Blessing the Lord is a wonderful thing to do every day. We shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. Well, let's stand up together, family of God, and let's set our minds, our mouth, our heart intentionally on the Lord tonight and worship him. grateful. We're grateful for Jesus, the head of this body. And Jesus, we ask that you move and walk among us tonight. We thank you for the release of the gifts of the Spirit to move freely in our midst. We thank you for the rhema word from God that will hit the mark in every heart that's here tonight. Father, we are receivers, good receivers tonight. To hear from heaven and father we just give you all the praise and glory we thank you holy spirit we thank you jesus we give this time intentionally focused on you tonight have your way in our lives amen and amen well one way we love god is by loving one another so hug on your neighbor next to you and the juniors will stay in the church tonight.
Well, good evening, everyone. So good to be with you all tonight. Good. Glad you're glad to be here. Well, we'd like to welcome anyone that's with us for the very first time. If anyone here for the very first time, could you raise your hand so we can recognize you? Clap for you. Okay. <laughs> all right. Looks like we're all family here tonight. Well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord, so if you need a cash envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand. And if you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. That's always helpful. And in Matthew, I'm going to read to you a verse in Matthew. You know, we tithe because we love God. Amen? And Jesus said this to a lawyer in in Matthew chapter 22. A lawyer asked him a question and said to test him. And he asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. So how is love for God shown? Well, we know that one of the greatest expressions of love is to give. You know, the Lord or God said he so loved the world that he gave Jesus Jesus said, if you love, you will obey, right? The Bible says if you don't love others, you don't love God. So these are ways that we show love for God. But that should motivate us in everything that we do. What's in your heart? Everything we do should be motivated from a love for God. So, you know, you could do the right thing for the wrong reason, right? But that's not us. That's not you. That's not me. We tithe because we love God. We obey him because we love God. We, you know, love others and do things and serve others, serve serve the kingdom. We give of our time and our resources because we love God. But, you know, let me give you an example of what I mean by you could be doing the right thing but for the wrong reason or for out from the wrong heart motivation. You know, take a family... And any, many of you here, this, you can relate to this. You've got teenagers. You've got children. You know, they could be following the house rules. They could be following the list of chores and everything, but only because they want the privilege. Only because if you don't do this, well, you're going to be grounded, or, well, you're not going to get screened, or, well, you can't go, you know. And it not be from, no, I love my parents. I love God. I love righteousness. I love excellence. And it only, it could be with a, you know, grudging, grumbling, complaining attitude. And technically you're doing the right thing, but it's not from a heart of love. Well, God wants us to love him with his, with our whole heart. And, you know, the same could apply for those of us in the family of God. You know, you could be going and doing the right things. You could be given of your time, you could be volunteering, you could be given the Lord offerings, you can be returning the tithe, and it all be because, yep, so the Lord, because he owes me now. You know, I'm going to do this because, well, I want that from him, so, but see, that's a selfish motive. It's all about, well, how's it going to serve me? And it's not because I love God. So, we love God. We demonstrate that by returning the tithe. We demonstrate that out of how we love others what we do for the kingdom. And we just need to remind ourselves to check up on the heart. What, what is in my heart? What is my motivation? And so that's just my 
uh, encouragement and exhortation to you tonight. Let's, let's check up on our heart and make sure that we love God with our whole heart, all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. All right, take a hold of your tithe and let's pray over that. Father, we just, we love you tonight and we give you our heart. We give you our soul, our mind, our dreams, our hopes, our plans. Lord, I just thank you that you are are good and you're faithful to us. And we acknowledge you as Lord. We acknowledge you as the one true God. We acknowledge you as the provider. And we just thank you that you're trustworthy, that you're kind, and that you love us. And so as part of our worship, we return the tithe to you. And I thank you, Lord, that every need is met. And I thank you that we are a blessed people because of your word and because of your promises. And I know you're good for it. So we just thank you. And in the name of Jesus, amen. All right, the ushers, you can pass the baskets. The people will return the tithe to the Lord. All right, a couple of things in our bulletin here. We have a youth and young adult impact group is going to be meeting Sunday, August 15th. So that's this coming Sunday. Is that correct? Like not tomorrow, but the next. We're going to have a pool party. So woohoo, that's going to be awesome. Please bring a snack to share. Bring your swimsuit, definitely, and a towel. And if you need transportation, figure that out ahead of time. Also, mark your calendar for August 22nd, which I believe is the following Sunday. Sky and Noel Barkley are going to be here with their little baby, and they are going to share with us Sunday evening. So, and then August 29th. Now, your bulletin says an additional City Gate Columbia week. That uh, needs to be a Lancaster week. So, it's so what it is is Kim Zimmerman is short a few volunteers for. Uh, August 29th, which is the last Sunday of August, for Lancaster, not Columbia. If you're interested in helping out on that Sunday, can you contact Sandy Burkholder? And um, so also home groups. I know everybody's excited for home groups to resume, and many of you are wondering when is that. And so you can expect that to resume the week of September 12th and be waiting for more details on that. And Last week, I think it was, or maybe the prior week, we talked about um, a donation box downstairs in the basement for a local pregnancy center. Just wanted to bring your awareness to that, that we are, that is going to be an ongoing uh, project. So bring baby food. Um, You're welcome to bring uh, formula or even money. So we're going to be, that's going to be an ongoing donation project. I know you've been praying for your pastor. Pastor Sidney is actually ministering tomorrow, which is, I don't know where, how the time difference is. So be in prayer for him and Pastor Jay Stoltzfus. They're there together. Um, I talked with Sidney today, and he said that, you know, he's really felt like they've had the favor of God on them. They had a really tight schedule or tight, I don't know, airline situation where Jay was may or may not going to make his flight in some layover place and but they made it and everything went smooth and and so praise the Lord we're glad for that 